A uh, fifth grade teacher in a Christian school asked her class to look at TV commercials and to see if they could use them in some way to communicate ideas about God. And um, here are some of the results. And if you're familiar with some of the commercials that you see on TV, you could probably answer some of these. So I'm not going to ask, uh, read it just as these children uh, responded, but uh, you think about the question, how is God like Bayer Aspirin? He works miracles. This next one ought to be easy. God, how is God like a Ford? <laughs> I guess you don't watch too many commercials there. <laughs> well, he's got a better idea. Alrighty, uh, how is God like Coke? He's the real thing. So now you're kind of warming up, catching on. That's good. That's great. How is God like Hallmark cards? Uh, he cares enough to send his very best. You have the same printout that I have here. <laughs> How is God like Tide? He gets the stains out that others leave behind. So these uh, fifth graders, were, they were answering uh, these questions. God is like General Electric because he brings good things to life. God is like Sears. He has everything. God is like Alka-Seltzer. So try him. You'll like it. God is like Scotch tape. You can't see him, but you know he's there. God is like Delta. He's ready when you are. God is like Allstate. You're in good hands. God is like VO5 hairspray. He holds through all kinds of weather. How about God is like dial soap? Aren't you glad to have him? Don't you wish everybody did? <laughs> God is like the U.S. Post Office. Neither rain nor snow nor sleet nor ice will keep him from his appointed destination. And so the end of this says, forward this to ten people so they can know what God is like. I didn't forward it, but I did read it, so I guess I fulfilled that part there. The ninth commandment from Exodus 20:16. We know that in the book of Revelation, there's a letter to the seven churches that uh, where we read about things that are to come and things that we are to overcome, to watch for. But you know, when you really, uh, when it really comes down to it, the uh, the fact is the entire word of God is referred to as a light unto our path. It's a light of how we are to walk in this life and how we are to be in our Christian conduct, knowing that there is hope and that there is everlasting reward ahead for doing what's right. So it's all about growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ in, in order to inherit the kingdom of God that is to come. In the book of Psalm, chapter 15, in verse 1 it says, Lord, it asks, Who shall abide in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? And so we read the scriptures that follow that, uh, uh, that tells us, that gives us direction in, in this. And it says in verse 2, He that walks uprightly, 
and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. So we see that this person would be living a blameless lifestyle. Verse 3, he that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor. So he or she will be uh, avoiding any malicious talk, you know, saying something or doing something to harm a, another. So we see here that there is this psalm of fellowship with God and a way, a way to live a certain lifestyle. In this age of rapid communication, it doesn't take long to know what is going on in the world or even next door of what's happening to people in their lives as we, you know, see and hear about various things that are going on, the mistakes and all the foibles that we, that we as all foolish people do uh, make mistakes at times. So with a few, you know, with a press of a few buttons on your laptop or on your cell phone you can access just about whatever information that you uh, want to look at you know we all like to stay informed we like to be informed and keep in touch of course with family and friends and just to know what people are doing or saying and sometimes however we sometimes uh, get uh, hung up on uh, on entertaining ourselves with a certain misfortunes that people uh, and mistakes that people have and if there's something you don't know about you know you can you can what's the expression you can google it I think that's a new term they put in the dictionary now or you can paste things on Facebook I don't have a Facebook account or anything like that or you can tweet or whatever it is that you do to uh, you know with these smartphones and laptops and all that and so we want to be connected to the World Wide Web, and, and, and it's useful in many ways, and it's really handy to have if it's used wisely. However, I think many today are obsessed with going online, and sooner or later it can become a stumbling block to spiritual growth, and it can uh, lead to uh, things that are unbecoming of a Christian. People can sit for hours just, you know, uh, punching buttons and watching the screen in front of them, uh, either online in some way or on Facebook, and, and they're glued to what is becoming more and more uh, a rumor mill. And it can turn a person into a gossip or a busybody looking around in manners that really don't uh, uh, concern them. Now, gossip is a person who likes talking about uh, other people's private lives and usually what is said is uh, you know mainly or chiefly derogatory and what gossip does and what a gossip does is uh, is defined as really a casual conversation or talk about unsubstantiated reports about other people so what rumors have you heard this past week have you heard any rumors lately have you passed any uh, gossip along. A gossip may seem like a minor thing, but it does have a tendency to spill over into hurtful things, and there's a fine line 
a fine line of information that needs to be uh, known and information, you know, that could cause you to put someone else down or make, make fun of somebody's mistakes or foibles or criticize or say slanderous things. So what does the Ninth Commandment say to all of this? In Exodus 20:16, it says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So uh, that's the danger in, in gossip. It, and it's evident in this commandment that we are to, that we are to guard our conversation. In the psalm that we read earlier, <clears throat> Psalm 15, how, Lord, how shall we abide in your uh, tabern tabernacle? Let's turn to Psalm 50 now. Psalm 50, verse 14. It says that we should offer unto God thanksgiving and pay our vows unto the Most High. And verse 15, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. But unto the wicked, God says, what have you to do to declare my statutes, or that you should take my covenant in your mouth? Now, one of the faults of many is, I suppose, to you know, acknowledge God and all of his uh, righteousness and his ways, but at the same time, ignore it in, in, some, in some way. Uh, verse 17, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you. When you saw a thief, then you consented with him and have been partakers with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things have you done, and I kept silence. You thought that I was altogether such as one as yourself, but I will reprove you and set them, order, set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces. You know, that's, that's pretty, pretty fearsome language. Lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offers praise glorifies me, and to him that orders his conversation that uh, aright will I show the salvation of God. So conversation, things and what we say, how we uh, uh, talk is uh, important before God. So this is a promise given to those who follow the ninth commandment, as well as the other commands, because they all uh, fit together. And we know the saying of Christ is said, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. And it's his Holy Spirit that leads us to do what's right, if, if we allow it. Because, you know, we still have freedom of choice to uh, follow the uh, truth of God, the leading and guidance of God through his Holy Spirit. In Psalm 141, we see this prayer in verse 3. It says, set a watch, O Lord, O eternal, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. 
I can remember uh, often before I would go to work that I would uh, remember this particular thing, set a watch on my mouth. Because, you know, the words we say, the words we speak, whether we mean it or not, a slip of the tongue and so on, can lead to a lot of misunderstanding. And so, this is one of the things that, you know, hopefully uh, we can avoid. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. You know, get, uh, think before you speak. Verse 4. <clears throat> oh, I read that. I'll read it again. Incline not my heart to any evil thing. So we can see that wrong practice can lead to bad habits. And for some, it's really hard not to want to hear juicy tidbits from the rumor mill and, and just bear it along. In the book of James, chapter 3, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, which to me is a very, a very scary thing. Now, the uh, New International Version renders this particular passage as, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And so in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways, for in many things we offend all, it says. And if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Or, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And sometimes it's hard, it's hard to resist not speaking up or saying things to, you know, to get your voice heard, and, and that can lead to trouble if, uh, we're inclined to speak our mind sometimes. <clears throat> Behold, verse 3, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven off, are, are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. And even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. I may have related this experience some time ago. I don't know how long it's been, but uh, uh, my friend and I used to have a paper route. We'd pick up our papers, uh, the Daily Oklahoman, and I, I think it was a Daily, Daily Oklahoman, but we would make our deliveries, and on this particular uh, Sunday, might have been Saturday, my memory's starting to fail, but we went up to this hill, to this mountain, and uh, we brought our uh, breakfast food because we, you know, we're delivering early in the morning, and so we decided we'd just spend a day on the hill and, and just adventure. And so, it's all my fault, but I got to playing with fire. And it was, close to, uh, the grass was dry like what you might see in uh, November late October but I forgot it might have been summer but so I would light this fire and let's say let's put it out real quick and so we put it out stomp it out and listen and then you uh, lit it a little bit more and it began to burn more and put it out 
And <laughs> lo and behold, the wind came along, and the next time we couldn't put it out. And it just, just went all in front of us. And uh, I tried rolling in it, like I saw on TV. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, we had our bicycles down the hill, parked at a cemetery. And, uh, and so uh, <laughs> it, it just went. And the whole hill, it was just burning. And so we panicked, ran as fast as we could down the hill to the briars and the ram brambles. <laughs> if you remember the song, uh, Battle of New Orleans, that's what we were doing, running through the briars and the brambles where a rabbit couldn't go. And uh, we got our bicycles, but we didn't want to go by the road because we were already guilty because we, we were like arsonists, I guess. But we were little boys. Probably should have known better, but but anyway, uh, our eyebrows were singed, our eyelashes were curled, and we smelled like smoke. And we decided, since we decided not to take the road, we went, you know, through the pasture, pasture, you know, the field, and we came to this fence and uh, we was carrying our bicycles and. Uh, <laughs> My friend said, how are we going to get our bicycles over? And I, uh, all in a panic, I said, pick them up and throw them over. <laughs> and so we rushed on and uh, pretended nothing happened. But, you know, we really had a guilty conscience. And uh, that hill burned most of the night. <laughs> but I will say it left some green. It really improved, I think, the uh, fertility of the soil. So... So, but you know, in a way, this is what the scripture is describing that, you know, behold what matter a little fire can kindle. And the, the tongue can be that way. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Well, I sure hope no one comes and arrests me for all that. It's confession on <laughs> internet and all that. I'm going to be paranoid now. <clears throat> So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. And out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man? and endured with knowledge among you. Let him show that, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envyings and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every work, evil work. So what we say in, uh, you know, in voice or what we might post in text, you know, those things, as they say, it goes viral. And it, it spreads like wildfire on the Internet. 
But the wisdom, verse 17, that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So this is what we have been called to do, to sow peace by resisting and overcoming those pulls of human nature and uh, keeping our bodies and our tongues under control. Romans chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may be abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Because know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So that's what we come to do on the Sabbath. And as we study our God's word throughout the week, that we think about what is before us and that there is a way of, of living a lifestyle that will allow us to dwell in his tabernacle. Knowing this, in verse 6, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is, is freed from sin. You know, when, when a person dies, you know, their, their thoughts are no longer. And so they're freed from all of those temptations. They're freed from all of the things that uh, cause sin in their life. So in verse 8, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he lives, he lives unto God. Verse 11, likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead, indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. So we're being saved by, by Christ. And what one commentary says, it's present tense salvation. So let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So we realize that, you know, every human being, every person has this tendency towards sin. It, it just remains embedded in us even after our conversion. But we have a choice, the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us to do what is right. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul said, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm colonel and sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that, I, that do I. If then I do that, which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. 
Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. So he was, you know, there's always some conflict, always this human nature that's warring in his body. Verse 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members. This, this nature warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my uh, members. And so he uh, expresses, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body, the body of this death? And then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Now, we know that one of the things that can blossom out into sin are the words that can spill out of our mouth which is really, you know, uh, reflective of what's going on in our thoughts. Because as Christ said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth uh, speaketh. Matthew 12, 34. In verse 36 of Matthew 12, he says, And I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account of thereof in the day of judgment. And by our words... We shall be justified, and by our words shall we, shall we be condemned. So that can be a scary thing when you think about that. And who could, how could we ever think that we could get away with any lie before the eternal God? Proverbs 26, 22 says, The words of a whisperer, a slanderer, or as a talebearer, as translated in the Revised Standard, there is dainty morsels. And they go down into the innermost parts. Little tidbits that once you hear them, we reflect on them because they become a part of our thinking after hearing them and, you know, taking, taking it in. <clears throat> now, the best way to silence gossip is to not repeat it. In verse 20 of Proverbs 26, it says, Without wood, a fire goes out, and without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul had a reason for writing to them because uh, he had this fear that lest when he uh, comes or returns to them that he won't find them. When I come I shall not find you such as I would and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wrath, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, and tumults. All of these things that he had a fear of this church uh, uh, falling into. And his sole purpose was to speak before God in Christ uh, that when he sent Titus, that... Uh, that they uh, do all things for their edifying. And so when you read about these debates that were going on, the envyings, uh, the strifes, the wraths, the backbitings, the whisperings, uh, these are true things that are happening in our world today. 
when we pick them up from the, the net or see them in uh, tabloids or on news channels or on talk shows, even among the people of God. Now the words of a talebearer, it says, are as wounds. And the effects of these wounds is that they can separate very friends. Psalm 139, verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my downsittings and mine uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. You can pass my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. So we are very well known of our Father in heaven. And he's revealed to us a manner of people that we should seek to be. Let's turn over to Second Peter, or you can look up here on the wall. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. It's kind of mind-boggling to think about. But the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief, in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Imagine uh, the heavens making lots of noise. You know, we hear... Uh, in the springtime, or when there is a thunderstorm, the, the thunder and the lightning just right above us. And, and you can't help but think that, uh, you know, this is like the noise of the heavens that is to be at that time. And shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved... What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming day of the God, a day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, Seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you, as also in all, in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, and which are some things hard to understand, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do the other scriptures unto their own destruction. <clears throat> you therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him glory both now and forever. So be it, or amen. Psalm 15 again. Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? He that walks uprightly 
and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He that backs bite not with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor. So, as seen in the light of the ninth commandment here, we see that it means for us today, today not to bear false witness. Not to bear false witness against our neighbor. In Leviticus chapter 19, as verse 16 shows, You shall not go up and down as a talebearer among the people, among your people. Neither shall you stand against the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. In Ecclesiastes 10.20, blank, <laughs> I forgot to turn that in, I guess. It says to curse not the king, no, not in your thought, and curse not the rich in your bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which has wings shall tell the matter. So, you know, what we think may be said in private or confidentiality can take wing to others. But we're certainly not to curse others. And if we ourselves are spoken ill of, we are to, it says, as Christ said, to bless them that curse you. That way bitterness doesn't have uh, a way of overtaking us and we wind up cursing back. So let's be on guard in our conversation. It's hard to do in this age when there are so many things out there, so much juicy information that we would like to delve into. But we know that with God, with his Holy Spirit, all things are possible. And let's be wise in taking in what we hear and in what we repeat. Like I said, some things are hard to resist. And, but remember, our Father knows our hearts and he hears from afar. And let us do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And that we pray for one another and follow our Christ's advice to love thy neighbor as thyself. 1 Corinthians 13, closing scripture. Had everything printed out on one sheet of paper, but I didn't print this one out. First Corinthians 13. You know this one, the love chapter. It tells us to follow um, after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. And in chapter, oh, I was reading chapter 4, 14, but. In chapter 13, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In verse 4, Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seeks not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. 
For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. But we see here described in chapter 13 what love is. And that is what Christ wants us to do. Whenever we think about our brethren, what we say about our brothers, that we do unto them as you know, we want them to do unto us. And that would be one of the things that we do is just not to engage in gossip or anything that might harm our brother.